sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary, and this turkey lurkey with me is Kate. What up, girl? Hey, Mary. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Are you having an extra serving of mashed potatoes? Yes. I actually think, let's be real with our listeners, you and I have had quite a week, and we're both Mm -hmm. a little bit inebriated, which I would say... (laughs) Is the spirit of Thanksgiving, if there ever was one. Yeah, hell yeah, I agree. (laughs) Let's throw something on the old boob tube so we can all get along. Hell Um, yeah. You know, the best thing to do when you got that tryptophan flowing, you're feeling a little sleepy, you put something on the TV so your family stops talking about the things that you will never get along about. And uh, just stop all the fighting. Just watch TV. And, and one of the things you could watch would be a Thanksgiving episode of something, like yeah. a holiday episode. There aren't a lot of Thanksgiving episodes of anything, though, Mary. What would you recommend? Well, there's exactly one thing I would recommend. <laughs> and it is the episode, the Thanksgiving episode of WKRP Cincinnati, where as a, <laughs> where as a, um, a Thanksgiving promotional uh, stunt, they fly the like weather chopper out with a bunch of turkeys and throw turkeys down to earth. And which, why would you waste turkeys like that, Mary? Not like frozen turkeys, like live turkeys. And of oh course, it goes even horribly. <laughs> and the episode say, ends. You think about the that. The episode ends with the uh, with the like owner of the station, whose whole idea this was, coming in like bedraggled, covered in feathers, and all he says is. I swear to God, I thought turkeys could fly. And then it ends. <laughs> God, that's the darkest thing I've ever heard. Um, that is the only Thanksgiving episode I can like personally recommend. I know that they're like, I'm not a Friends person, but I know that there's like a million no, no, no. Friends episodes. But I genuinely thought you were going to recommend the episode of television we're about to talk about. Oh, uh, oh no. No, I would not recommend that because everyone can at least agree that throwing turkeys out of a helicopter is a bad idea. The episode, <laughs> I agree. I the agree. episode that we're about to watch basically celebrates the idea that there are some issues that are tough to talk about, but really you should just listen to the most important sounding man in the room. So I would not recommend listening and watching this with your family Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Even though it has uh, some but, real but, good lules. You know, real what? good lules. Even though it has some real good lules in it. It's funny. I, I was I was just going to say, but I mean, at least there's Spike in it. And that's and we're talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. the episode Pangs, which is incredibly problematic. But <laughs> you know who I love? My number one problematic fave of all time, Spike. Uh, TM, uh, scene red doesn't count, notwithstanding. Scene red, not canon. (laughs) Not canon, didn't happen. According to Space Bros, like just officially on our platform, scene red's not canon. So we're just gonna ignore the fuck out of it. Don't worry about it. Don't add us. Anyway, so Spike's my favorite problematic fave when Uh, you uh, fall by those rules. Spike's my favorite problematic and unproblematic fave. All at once in one little bleach blonde package. Apparently, James Marsterson, uh, they would paint his nails black and he's like, I mean, they can't look perfect. So like before they would dry, he'd go and like find a nail on set and like rub on his black nails so that they would look like perfectly weathered. Just like his uh his his leather jacket, he kept on at, like every night 
he would be like, please don't wash this. And they'd come in and it would be clean. And he'd be like, so I'd find a pile to roll around in because it can't look clean. <laughs> I just love that. I love The amount of like- dry cleaning that must have been wastefully done on that goat is mind-blowing. Um, right. I also think that we should have a special, we should have a special episode just called Kate's Boys, where, <laughs> where a woman who exclusively is interested in sexual relations with women. women exclusively wants to have sex with the women. Just, uh, just, just la- outlines all the men I have crushes on in television and media. I mean, I 100% um, agree with you. It's just way less funny for me <laughs> to do that. <laughs> no, so uh, <laughs> I would love to. That's that's a future. Maybe that should be our maybe that should be our Valentine's Day episode. Kate's boys. <laughs> I, you know what? I am in. I am all in for me to talk about all the uh, weird sci-fi characters that I have crushes on. Great. Well, let's 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 do it right now. Let's talk about this episode. <laughs> let's dive right in. So we're doing a problematic fave episode. We're going to talk about season four, episode eight of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, a personal favorite of mine and of Mary's. Mary is actually one of the people who got me to watch it. I did not watch until after I graduated college. You mean Buffy in so general? I'm... Buffy, yeah, 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 yeah. Not this episode. No, I, I mean, became like, the I be- series. I became obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I was fourteen years old, and I did not join the bandwagon until uh, right around the time I graduated in two thousand eleven. So you know, there you go. I have loved Buffy for the last eight years, and I uh, look forward to many returns. Is what I'm gonna say. Many happy because returns. Well, well, it has problematic elements to it. It is also a freaking lovely show with some strong ass women. And you know what? It doesn't matter if they're problematic men at the helm of things. Uh, if everybody involved gives it their all and also adds their own flavor, you know, sometimes you can overcome that. It's yeah. fine. I would like to say at the top of the episode that Joss Whedon is a monster and doesn't deserve... <laughs> Any of the, I, I feel like we've kind of all like quietly, quietly canceled him as like society. We're just like, no, no more. Um, which makes me think that he must have some deep, dark skeletons in that closet. We know some of them, but like there must be deeper and darker ones. Um, yeah. And I, uh, so while I do like some of his, uh, some of his pieces, some of his artwork, um, I think that he should be dragged behind wild horses. The end. Yep. Uh, which is funny because Wild Horses is the name of the song they play at Buffy's prom uh, when it's about how Angel uh, Wild Horses wouldn't drag me away from this Wild moment. Horses. The song uh-huh. <laughs> That's me coming up with some Buffy knowledge. Uh, so this episode was that is also written some by... Wild Deep Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's written by Jane Epsonson, who has written a number of uh, Buffy episodes and directed by someone who I know much less about, which is Michael Lang. So, mm. and it originally aired on November 23rd, 1999. Mary, can you tell me about your first impressions when you first watched it? I have not watched this in a, a long time. Full disclosure. I do well, remember. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when I watched it for the first time, um, you know, I thought it was very funny. This isn't a particularly good stretch. I love, you and I were talking about this. We love the episode right after this Something Blue. Oh my God. 
we Something love Blues, Hush. an incredible episode. Hush is, I think, one of my favorite episodes. Of all yeah, time on I mean, Buffy. I think it that does such a good job of like using the silent film narrative. Like, um, so good. Yeah, this is not a Hush so podcast. Good. This is a Pangs podcast. <laughs> but it's it's like in the middle. Bottom and line, I, check out some episodes. And yeah. I remember thinking that like, oh, this is like such a strong run, and it was like kind of a funny episode. And it's kind of when season four, if I recall correctly, finds its footing. Like the beer bad episode is kind of dumb. And like there are some yeah. there's some like bumps because like, right, she's transitioning from high school to college. And I think pe- and I think a lot of people kind of fell off in season four and we're like, that's when it gets bad. But I, I like, like to four. say uh, the roommate episode, like the second is brilliant. episode is brilliant. brilliant. It is such. So what so what if you have not watched any of Buffy? Hey, I hope you go and watch this episode just so we can talk about it. But, like, if you haven't, what is brilliant about this show is that they take things that, like, um, like high school's hell and they make it literal. Like, you go to bed with a guy and he's a dick the next day. They make it literal. Um, like, your roommate is actually a demon and, like, insufferable and they make it literal. You know, it's just... It's fun and it's funny. And you also get to watch Sarah Michelle Gellar who looks like a petite, you know, tiny woman. And so everyone underestimates her, kick the shit out of people. And it's satisfying as hell. Um, so yeah, watch Buffy. Check it out. I, I recommend it personally. Yeah. Uh, I think it's aged surprisingly well. Obviously, there are exceptions. And this we're is about one to talk about one of them. <laughs> this is one of sure. them. <laughs> but this is, Buffy does not typically do um, holiday episodes. Actually, I think that there, I think that they might only do like one a season. And mm-hmm. if that, and sometimes the holiday episodes are like graduation. Like it's not, there's not we, always I, a I Christmas I feel like you're Buffy. more likely to get like a Halloween episode. You only you get, are, and you only got two. You only have two and you only get one Christmas episode. Like it's not, yeah. it's not a, it's not a holiday episode. And I remember being pleased because I like holiday episodes of TV shows. I remember being I pleased. I love holiday episodes. Yeah. My favorite thing, Mary, and I don't know how you feel this way. Is to while I'm rewatching shows during the year, which I do because I like to put on TV in the background while I live my life and work, which is very common for my generation. Uh, I skip over the Christmas episodes because during Christmas, I watch all of them. It is like my version of people who are watching Hallmark movies. I'm watching all the Office Christmas episodes. That's, you know, and then all the 30 Rock Christmas episodes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I have like a set. I, I have a set of like Christmas episodes I really like from TV shows I like in general that I always revisit around the holidays. Um, yeah, you know, it's fun. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's like having a curated playlist of something better than Hallmark movies. Yeah, I'm not I'm not here to try to fight anyone about what you like. You know, like if you like something, that's fine. I just no, we're not yeah. yucking anybody's yum. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Unless that <laughs> unless that yum is is this is this episode, in which case we're gonna be saying, ooh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, there are funny elements to this episode. There are yeah. entertaining elements to this episode. And unlike Mary, I had seen it uh more recently than years well, ago. So. I mean, like I remember I remember seeing it when I was literally a child when I was 14 years old, right? Uh-huh. And being like Okay, and then, um, and I will get to some embarrassing things that I remember feeling when I was 14 years old when I saw this. Um, and then I remember rewatching it, uh, when I was like in grad school and being like, oh no, this episode, oh no, 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 no. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, you know, like, wrong. like 2011. 
So like with almost like a with a, over a decade of time between those episodes, right? Um, and uh, it yeah, it's not it's not aging great, but I think it's a great example of problematic fave because it is an effective episode. I feel sadness. I laugh. Like it, it's 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 well done, and um, it is one of Joss Whedon's favorite episodes. <laughs> and he says about Pangs to me, um, among the most radical and potentially offensive and necessary messages we've ever played was in Pangs. American history has fictionalized itself, and in an attempt to deconstruct it, we find ourselves repeating it. Now. I don't really Aww. like let's just keep that in mind as we go through this episode. Um, that just tells me that Joss doesn't understand what the fuck he's talking about because yeah, we're we're about to get into it. Uh I'll give us a little plot overview and talk about what's problematic and I will Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the prosecution will state their case that Joss while maybe aiming to do something important and radical instead just stirred up a bunch of muck and then dropped the goddamn ball. Which is <clears throat> my claim. Yes. Well, so. yes. We'll get into it. Tell us what this yeah. episode's about. So while digging a new site for the anthropology department, uh, Xander, who's working the construction crew, accidentally unearths yeah. the Lost Sunnydale mission of the Chumash people, of the Chumash people, who were Native Americans in the Sunnydale, California region, and historically existed more in that region. And an avenging spirit is released... And starts to lay waste on these different figures that represent the colonizers who destroyed the Chumash people. Um, Buffy, while trying to have a perfect Thanksgiving, uh, sans mom, but with the Scooby gang, is faced with having to take down a, not demon, but the spirit of an oppressed people because... That spirit is trying to wreak havoc and commit murder, uh, even though that spirit isn't necessarily in the wrong. So that is what this episode is grappling with, kind of poorly. Anyway, that's your plot overview. You can go watch it on Hulu. I would like to bring up at this point that um, this episode absolutely begins with a vampire telling Buffy, uh, or asking rather, Buffy, why don't you go back to where you came from? Oh, that's clever, and I didn't notice. God damn it! Isn't that weird? But he's she, but he's wrong, and also like in in modern and even then in 1999, like this was not that that was like hate speech. So yeah. weird that we have at the top of the show a hate speech against like a blonde white lady. No, but I think that's supposed to like root us in like probably this rhetoric and why that like. I think that that was an attempt to be radical by being like, hey, you know how awful it is when a cute white lady gets told to go back to where she came from? But really, it's awful when we tell people who are indigenous to a region to get the fuck out, but actually say, go back to where you came from, you know? Oh, yeah. it, It falls flat. To me, I feel like it's like saying, like, why don't you come back to where you came from? Like, why don't you go back to europe where your people came from and she's like i can't do that i'm here kicking butts now and you're like well <laughs> i mean you could you, you could do that well I and mean, also like on. that doesn't solve anything and also nobody says that to white people that's like not a thing it's <clears throat> it, it'd be like where it's like it's reverse racism and you're like no 
No, it's just reverse racism is impossible it's, because of systems of power and oppression. Yeah, and also, right. and if it is something, if it is something that is that is like offensive, it's just racism. There's no no such things of reverse racism, like just by nature. <laughs> You're like, no, like reverse racism implies that there is actually something wrong with black people. Which is why it's racist, and reverse racism is like no, no, no. It's racist against people who are, you're not ra- who can't do anything. That's that's possibly you could possibly be racist against. And you're like no, it's very problematic. Great. Now that we've talked a little bit about what the episode is, what it's about, the prosecution would like to come forward and discuss the uh, the case made against this episode for why it falls under the category of problematic in the problematic fave, and. Uh, you know, just to just to start us off, we've got a gang of uh of our our fave Slayer Buffy and Scoobies uh dealing with an avenging spirit of an indigenous people, a Native American tribe that was killed by colonizers in Sunnydale, and on Thanksgiving they find that they because this spirit has been released uh by white people trying to expand and tell a lie about a friendship between Native Americans and colonizers, which I mean, I think at this point, we're not telling you anything radical and new that, you know, the colonizers weren't actually great to Native Americans. Um, Let's just let's just fast forward to the Trail of Tears if you want like a very concrete example. Anyway, uh, so they have to kill the Avenging Spirit or be killed or Xander will die. So we're we're kind of asked to make peace with this uh, murder, and uh, let's let's talk about uh, what exactly this episode this episode does to force us to uh, kind of play lip service to the bleakness and what's wrong with this episode. So I just outlined kind of the premise. Mary, would you like to get us started? Yeah. So basically, this episode is about. Willow being very upset that Native American people were exterminated systematically by white colonizers. Systematic genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, it was a genocide, right? And is very upset about that. And the combination of, um, of this, uh, this building being put together and sort of making it about like the melting pot and everything's great and we get along now that disgusts her and also thanksgiving is coming up and she's basically like how dare we pretend like we got along with with the people who welcomed us to this country when all we did was kill them which she's very right about however this episode would like and so like that's her perspective and then the other perspective of it is this like cold patriarchal uh feeling of like you just need to be reasonable and logical and understand that we have to kill people sometimes is basically what they're saying in this and the way that they go about doing that is they make they treat willow how i feel like um hermione in the harry potter series is treated when she's like we should free the house elves and everyone's like you are so silly that is a perfect comparison you are the silliest and yeah, and Hermione's like, they are slaves. Like, what are we yeah. doing here? They are unpaid labor that people treat like second-class citizens. We have to free them. And everyone's like, they've been ha- they've been house elves for hundreds of years. And what are we even going to do at this point? They don't even want to be free. And basically everyone's just like, 
What can we do? There's nothing we can do. You talking about this is just bringing everyone down and bumming them out. And it's just nutty liberal silliness that can't actually lead to anything, which is ridiculous. Like, sure, she doesn't offer any real solutions in this episode. But she's learning about it. Like, you get the sense that this is something that she's heard. Like, uh, Buffy kind of dismissively is like, how much of this is your mother talking early on? But like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how much of that was you channeling your mother? Right. But like, so clearly this is something that she's heard throughout her life. And now that she is in college and she's discovering herself as an adult person, she's picking up this and saying, like, actually, this is something that I do believe. And I'm going to learn about it. You see her arrive at Thanksgiving with an entire pile of books, not to figure out how they can best kill the spirit, which would be normal for this this show, right? Yeah, that's, like, that's, what, that's what the Scoobies do. Right. Instead, she comes and she's just like, look, look at what we have done to people over the years. Yeah. And so it's it's like she's on the edge of like of opening up her eyes, which then I would be- I believe is how you lead to great action. You educate you educate people who are otherwise um, ignorant to the plights of the world and the, the ways that their lives uh, contribute to systematic op- oppression. And hopefully they listen to you and then they fix those things. Like it's like that's how you get to that's how you get there. And it's sort of treated like her discovery period is just like nutty and like inconvenient and not practical. And it really makes me mad <laughs> when I watch this for her. I'm like, no, Willow's Willow might be seeming like kind of like naive about the whole situation, but she's coming out of her naivete. That's like part of this. You should be celebrating her and encouraging her to do more. That's what we need people to do. I think that the thing that uh, is feels more forgivable uh, in the Harry Potter series is that, you know, the first uh, the first resistance she gets is from a peer of her own age and of less education than hers, which is Ron, who like maybe has grown up in it, but like they're just just as fucking clueless in so many millions of ways, right? And this we have Giles, who we trust, who is, you know, work dad and uh super smart and super dependable. Basically being like, Willow, stop being such a fucking brat and an idiot. Uh, You know, there's what we need to do is stop this thing. It doesn't really matter why it exists or what we did. Like, there's nothing we can do. And Willow's like, maybe we can give him back their land. And he's like, it's not ours to give. Like, he's basically, it is like being in a meeting where you're like, hey, the system we have right now, it sucks. And someone's like, but there's nothing you could do. No other no, system exists. Yeah. In fact, it reminds me of something that my favorite activist ever, ever said in a room that I was in, which was Dean Spade, which said apathy comes from a place of privilege because if you are literally dying in genocide, you don't get to just be like, oh, but what can you do? You're yeah. clawing your way towards survival. So like, you know, and it, I, I think that the reason why they put Giles in this position which I hate this position for him because I'm used to liking Giles and Giles being really compassionate and Giles understanding that like, it's not so simple that the bad guys are just always bad. and The good guys are always good. Like this is actually a theme that the show generally reckons with. And he is a great support for Buffy. So like, but I think the fact that he is from England and, you know, a, therefore representative in this conversation of the great British empire, uh, same as Spike means that like they let him be kind of a jackass and it's a real bummer. 
Yeah, except he gets his way in the end. He's right in the end, according to this In the episode. end, he's justified. Same, in same the with end, Spike. And same, and same with Xander. All the men in this episode align with imperial, imperialism. And even though... Even though it is recognized in this episode that there are two sides to the story, their side of the story seems more right. It comes from this place of incredible privileged liberalism where we can pretend that people who are racists, who are bigots, who are greedy and don't care about human life and don't care about human rights have some sort of like point because we accept that there's two sides to every argument. No, sometimes there are not two sides to every argument. Healthcare should Agreed. be available for everyone. I don't want to hear what your argument is against that. You are wrong. You need to sit down and sit in your wrongness. You are wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that is something that we, that like white, like people that are you and me, that like white, liberal, middle class people. The people with access to all sorts of privileges and power. Right. Are, are brainwashed into believing, and that is why we try to reasonably argue with Republicans, who, by the way, know that what they're doing is wrong. They just don't care. So we think we're going to, like, win no, them they, it, over. It's more important to them to have all the chips, all right. the coins. They're not fighting. They're not fighting a moral battle with us. They're just trying. They're just running, giving us the runaround and making us tired so that they can do whatever the hell they want. And that is what happens in this episode, in my opinion. And it's depressing because I don't want that for Giles. Yeah, that's 100 percent what happens. And, and and we'll talk about later what this episode could have done that would have been more powerful. But in the end, I'm so excited to hear. About well, that. We'll, we'll see how strong my argument is, but <laughs> Giles doesn't just get to sit back as like an establishment, uh, patriarchal, like you must honor me because I'm a man type of figure. He's also outright racist in this. Like, and this is a quote that I have. It's when uh, Buffy and uh, Giles are talking about the situation early on and she's like getting ready to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Like she's done her shopping and she's unpacking and they're talking and he keeps saying Indians and she keeps saying Native Americans and eventually she says Native American. Sorry? We don't say Indian. Oh, right, yes, yes. Um, always behind on the terms. Still trying not to refer to you lot as bloody colonials. Like, he he dismisses that so offhand. Like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if I use the right terms or not because, like, I'm above all of this. Well, I'm 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 from the people who created the terms, right? Yeah, and he's like, I'm I I know what I mean, and I know that I'm right, so it's fine. I don't have to I don't have to keep up with things, you know. That's that's racist. <laughs> Those are what racists say to to justify why they use slurs. I don't think that Indian is as bad as like I feel okay saying that, for example, like actually having the words come out of my mouth, which I do not feel that way about many slurs. But like yeah. I calling a person that is incorrect and is wrong and we need to deal with that. You shouldn't do that. Right. Calling a Native American and... an Indian is wrong. <laughs> like don't say that. And it's important for you to understand why we don't say that. Right. And there are Native Americans that live on reservations out in like Wyoming or whatever that use that term. And that's great. Totally fine. But we are not them. No. And uh, the bottom line is that term comes from a total misunderstanding of who and what a people were. And by saying someone was from India, they did not 
own this land either. And therefore, like, we are able to... Our language matters. We talk about places being like a food desert. What we're saying is that the desert is an empty, vast place. And therefore, it doesn't matter what we do to it. Like, it forgives uh, the excavation, the destruction of an area. By calling people uh, Indians, it forgives the forced removal of people from their homes in the land that they are indigenous to. Uh, it's dangerous and it's awful. So what I'm saying is I understand that some people use that term to self-describe and that's great. I'm telling you historically this is why this is dangerous and important for you to know about. Well, Giles disagrees with you because he thinks that history books have have given everyone oh enough God. information such that we don't it, ever have to talk about genocide again. <laughs> yeah, no. Willow, it's great. Willow's like trying to come up with answers for like what they can do to try to help Hoos, uh, who is the avenging spirit of the Chumash people. And she's like, maybe we can bring the atrocities to light. He's like, they're all over the history books already. I think they're enough to light. He's mad about it. And you're like, why are you mad, bro? Like, if this is accepted knowledge... Why are you so defensive about, you know... If this is knowledge that you just have in your back pocket and you're thinking about all the time regularly, why would you... Why are you so mad at her for bringing this up? Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Giles, who I normally truly, truly enjoy as a figure... Truly adore, honestly. I hate in this episode, which is tough. Um, yeah. And it's weird because I feel like... Um, so he's given that perspective and that's like, I mean, kind of throughout, Giles does have problematic moments, mostly because he is like the patriarchal figure who's in charge of a really strong woman, which if you think that Joss Whedon doesn't like have a little bit of uh, 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 Gary Sexism Stew in there. Episodes. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely what he's doing there. Like he, I think that, jo that Joss either thinks that he is Spike because he's so witty or he's Giles because he's so powerful and in charge of strong women. In any given episode, it just depends on what day it is. And sometimes yeah. that bleeds out. And I think we're seeing a, a little bleed there and it's bad. Um, gentler, yep. you have what I think is Xander's perspective and is the perspective <laughs> is the perspective that uh, Buffy lands the on. perspective. Yeah. Wh yeah. Which is just which like, is, what can I will we? Die. Oh, I think it's more like. What can I do? Bad stuff happened in the past, but it's not my fault. And good modern people shouldn't have to feel bad about anything or do anything special or nothing bad should happen to us. We were innocent. He says. I do think it's worth saying that. He would have died. He it's will tough. die. It's tough. Yeah, he has syphilis. Like, it's like, tough. Joss gives him like armor, like plot armor. And that like Xander will literally die. Yeah. If. Uh, well, he won't know. die. He'll just go crazy. Um, well, eventually you die of syphilis like yeah. or smallpox like no no she says the syphilis won't kill well, you because smallpox smallpox will. will yeah yeah the bottom line is he's covered in enough diseases like he will die also so. he's like incredibly um i guess specious against anya which i i do actually like that scene quite a bit um yeah no it's it's great because it again there are things that this episode does well but we'll, we'll yeah, we save it, save it. We're gonna get to it. This is the prosecution, but he says this is this this is this framing of it, and um, uh, I think this kind of like tips the hand towards like you you kind of stack the deck in the favor of uh imperialism, and then give uh compassion absolutely no cards to play with, and you make them seem silly just kind of by the nature of how it's expressed. 
not by the the merit of the ideas. So Xander says, I hate this guy. And uh, Willow says, he's just doing what was done to him. I didn't give him syphilis. You freed his spirit. And after a century of unrest, he saw you as his oppressors. What? So he rises up and infects the first guy he sees? That's not fair. Like, you never woke up cranky. Why the... (laughs) Right? But at the same time, like, it's funny and it's like, it's classic. It's like a classic Scooby line and it gets a laugh. But at the same time, I'm like, this dude didn't wake up cranky. He was the victim of genocide. Like, like, why are you limiting their experience to something where it, it it's it's a it's a it a laugh dismisses line. them as a laugh I, line. I I think what I think what works about that line is that like what he's saying is why isn't this person being reasonable about the fact that times have changed and things are different? And she's saying why would you am- automatic and what I read from that is why would you automatically be reasonable if you literally just came out of like being in stasis for your like you know, hundreds of years and your yeah. people were all killed. Like, it's not a thing that, like, you're automatic. Like, it's an unrealistic expectation that a vengeance spirit is going to be like, well, it looks like there are Native Americans who get to live in, in the world today. I would say also it's also brutal. unreasonable. It's unreasonable to say that things are better, which I think is what he's represent. Like, he represents, like, this take where it's like, there's nothing that modern people are doing that's bad. We're okay. We're doing the right thing. But but the problem is that uh, exactly that she's not arguing with that. The problem is no. The problem is no, nobody no tools is to arguing do so. with that. Also, um, I think it's safe to say that I don't think Joss sees a yeah. single problem with referring to Native Americans as Indians throughout this. If he did, I think he would have yeah. Giles yeah. stop saying it after Buffy corrects him, and he doesn't. Fun fact. So uh, the Scoopies come at this from a position of privilege, and we've kind of touched on that already, but uh, it's not really a spoiler to say that they're never going to deal with Native Americans again on this series, which is great, because this episode totally wraps it all up and puts a bow on it, and you would never have to talk about it again, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, Mm. But how are we to make peace and align ourselves with the Scoopies, which is what you're expected to do when you watch a show like this? Um, let's talk about how the show offers answers, uh, or does it just stir up the mashed potatoes, so to speak, and leave us all to sort it out? Mary? So there is absolutely no um, acknowledgement from any of them that they live in a privileged state, which is a problem. I I don't think that that was really part of the 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 dialogue. Yeah, that really wasn't at this time. I do think that there could have been, I mean, but there was absolutely still racism. There absolutely the, 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 the inequality, you know, the entire show is sort of built around this concept of Buffy is underestimated by everyone all the time because she's a small woman. That that is a story to some degree about discrimination, right? Um, yeah, I'd say so that that's at a wild... the heart of this whole series and the whole right? premise. Yeah, right. Like like may, may, maybe like lowercase d discrimination, but it's there, you know. So for I'm, sure. I'm I'm not giving I won't I refuse to give them a pass for not having the right language. At the very least, they could be like, well, it's not like we're doing much better now. Like that that could be said. That could absolutely have been said. That was known at the time. They don't get off the hook. Yeah. So instead, is- instead you get a comment like, "You all get casinos now." Like, 
Like oh that's just it's fucking insult to injury. It's a goddamn slap in the face. And it's and it's played as a laugh line. Like let's give him some land. You can have casinos now. I'm like, you know, that is that is that is incredibly incredibly uh stereotypical and I would say bigoted to yell at a Native American person. Also, like those things, those gestures that were carried out were incredibly important are incredibly important to the economy of these people don't make them a joke like that's not except that's not appropriate like making fun of indian casinos is not okay making fun of making fun of attempts to give people land is not okay it is not enough we need to talk about that but it's not funny like it's not a joke that shouldn't it's not a it's not a joke what's weird is the only thing that i would say that feels sort of even halfway close to like being like a whoa you're a privileged individual think about that think about where you stand in history saying what you're saying moment is wrapped in this imperialistic argument that spike delivers so any sort of bite or thing it could hold on to is immediately like swept under the rug by being like that's just what it is you deserve that privilege which is weird so what he says is I just can't take all this mamby-pamby boo-hooing about the bloody Indians. Uh, the preferred term is- You won, all right? You came in and you killed them and you took their land. That's what conquering nations do. That's what Caesar did. And he's not going around saying, I came, I conquered, I felt really bad about it. The history of the world is not people making friends. You had better weapons and you massacred them. End of story. Well, I think the Spaniards actually did a lot of- Not that I don't like Spaniards. Listen to you. How are you going to fight anyone with that attitude? I don't want to fight anyone. I just want to have Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Well, if we could talk to him. You exterminated his race. What could you possibly say that would make him feel better? It's kill or be killed here. Take your bloody pick. So this speech, I feel like, is like the bomb that goes off in the middle of the episode and is the turning point. And it's because... Even though it's harsh, it's delivered with authority and eloquence. Yeah. And all the men in the room agree. At that moment, like, Giles is already there, but he's kind like, of, like, whining about it. Could it could be the syphilis, but he's making a lot of sense. And Giles like, I made That's, a lot of points like this yeah, already. And, yeah. Right. But he's always just, it's like, it's like this, it's this moment that the ent- all of the Scoobies become okay with killing this guy. And that is incredibly chilling, because what he is saying is... The imperialistic argument. We were better people. We came here. We had the power. We took your land and now it's over. And you don't have any choice. Manifest destiny. Like it's over. There's nothing there's nothing that can be done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we we were by divine intervention, we were guaranteed and meant to come and conquer these lands, and therefore that is why we are here. And it's not our fault that they were not meant to have them. And then this episode doesn't do much to tell you that the white people aren't better, which is really <laughs> bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you have this warrior, this the spirit, right? And the only time you, you, he's never really shown to be empathetic. He never says really anything about what he is doing beyond like, I am here for vengeance. Right? Yeah, the only the only line he really has is so early in the episode and then therefore like abandoned afterwards and it's supposed to be like the moment where like Buffy starts to rec- reckon with the existential crisis of this whole thing and then like is later abandoned is like 
first you kill my people and now you kill their spirit. This much must be a great day for you. And she feels shitty about it because she should. But that is like the only time we get to hear their perspective or their voice. Really? Well, and even so, it's like wrapped up in like a weird mysticism that like that kind of, I think, just makes it like you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, like we already killed you. So like what? What's the big deal with killing your already dead spirit? I mean, that's basically what the priest tells her, right? Like, they're like, this person's already dead. So. Yeah. It's just weird. And then, oh, and also, the way that he speaks is, like, in a highly stereotypical, like, like br- kind of broken, slow delivery way. Can I, and can, we I, know... can I just real quickly say the way that he speaks sounds like an impression Keanu, yes. Keanu Reeves. Oh my god, it totally does. It totally. Does. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Um, uh, I don't mean to belie your argument because I agree. Just Keanu Reeves speaks so distinctly yeah. that it honestly, like That's in twenty nineteen, I was like, That's wait, true. is that Keanu Reeves? It was so. It was so cartoonish that I was like, did they not even get? Did they not even get like a native person to play this role? I honestly like, don't person... think that they did. I did not look it up. I don't know if you I did. looked it up. They did. Okay, thank they God. did. They but did. It did seem but like it was Keanu Reeves. It could have been, but I think it's you know it's broken. I think it's just like it's done. It's done so that you don't really see him as a person. You see him as this figure that you're told we should sympathize, but we're not shown that we should empathize with him or like. Or he does not speak for himself in a way that makes you empathetic to him. And that's a big problem. Totally. Like, basically, like, Willow is kind of cast as this, like, liberal scold. And I'm like, no, we should be scolded. Like, yes. Like, give us the bitter pill. We need to take it. It's good. But we also need we need to have this spirit who is central to this this kind of, like, this quote-unquote both sides of the argument. Like, why did why do a bunch of white people get to decide how this argument is framed? He is never given a seat at the table. That's messed up. Um, I also hate that he's changed into a bear. I hate that part. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's only I hate, funny I, because of uh, Spike's reaction. What Spike says. Yeah. But, like, he changes into a bear and that's when they can kill him. So you, you literally make him inhuman. You make him this, like, hulking threat. Yeah. And then they stab, they stab the, she stabs the bear. It turns back into the spirit for like a second and then it vanishes away into nothingness. I was like, oh, great. So they don't even have to clean anything up. It's no muss, no fuss. It's all yeah, good. It's, it's, no it's literally just like the vampires and that like, oh, it dusts itself. It's fine. You never, you know, never have to deal with it. S- budget time saved. It's true. But it's also like just you're silencing them so much. Yeah, you've like, literally they even, vanished They don't even them. have a corpse. Yep. Like, no, it's, it's that's horrific. so sad. Yeah. You don't even have to look at what you've done and have a chance to feel um, feel bad about it or pathos towards another living being. You just It just disappears into nothingness as if it didn't make it resist. It's messed up. So we talked about how I feel like it's like, there's both sides of the Thanksgiving debate and we're not taking sides. I think the side that the viewer is supposed to empathize with the most, like our entry point is Buffy's entry point. Yeah. And, um, and Buffy's perspective is... I'd, I'll take pie over confused feelings and arguing, you know? It's confusion and, and bickering or something like that. Confusion's yeah. part of it. Like, because yeah. it's very clear yeah. that, like, Puffy's like, I don't have the right answer, but I'm just gonna 
practice some escapism by making sure we have the best meal ever, which is great for the analogy about Thanksgiving and how Thanksgivings go in terms of fights and like, we're all here for a purpose and the purpose is to eat this meal. And that is like the driving force. And so that has to happen, you know, whatever. Uh, but in terms of like the reality of the episode and the very important themes we're talking about different. Yeah. I mean, I think that she represents what a lot of like privileged middle-class white ladies uh, struggle with, which is how do I, how do I mitigate what I know is a morally complex issue when the bad side of it is absolutely what helps me maintain my middle class comforts like yeah so it, when it is uncomfortable and undermines my quality of life it is so real it's it's why we are stuck in a system of oppression because yeah no one wants to give up hegemony no one wants to give up the power that they have she says this before uh spike delivers his um his eloquent speech about how awesome imperialism is um and she says it's between her and willow and willow's saying it's one lonely guy an oppressed warrior king who's just trying to and buffy's like kill a lot of people well i didn't say he was right well you know how bad i feel about this it's eating me up pour a cup of brandy and simmer she says as an offside to anya yeah um but even though it's hard we have to end this yes he's been wrong and i personally would apologize and that's like the part where it kind of makes me feel ill because i'm like yeah, like white we we do want like even our solution even when we want what we want to do is just alleviate our guilt. She wants to apologize for him. At no point is she like we should probably let him kill as many people as he wants. Which is like yeah. a, which is an intense position to take. But I'm like, wait. So Buffy is placed on Earth to protect the world from evil, vampires, demons and the forces of darkness. But she can't like wrap her head around reparations. Like there are answers. There are answers beyond just like meek apologies and things that won't actually do anything. Maybe not in her case because this person is a spirit. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. But I do know that her answers, her answer to this question is to give something that will alleviate her guilt and that will maintain the status quo because damn it, she has a pie to make. And we can do better than that. We can do a lot better than that. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, constantly throughout the episode, Buffy gets distracted from what I think you and I, as people who co-host a feminist sci-fi movie podcast, uh, would say is important, which is the quality of life or the lack thereof of oppressed peoples in favor of talking about mush peas or, uh, yeah. you know, simmering with a quarter cup of brandy. You know, yeah, it's, a bummer. it's pretty. I mean, and it's such a bummer. Like, I understand kind of why why it falls under gender lines like this, because like Willow is the most educated, except for potentially Giles. So it really I mean, like if you really want it. And so like she probably has the most like she's read about this and she that makes sense for her to have like this discovery moment versus Xander. Right. And Buffy always has to be in the middle because she's our entry point. So she has to be like the most uh, the most like bland and initial um feelings about an issue yeah. right and then they, they can like pull her back and forth but it's just weird like so i i understand why willow is the champion for this versus xander um just by the basis of who she is as a character but it's sort of it's very weird to then give like give like the the, the daddy figure all this authority and like 
and kind of like bad feelings and bad advice around this yeah. to fight with Willow because it just clobbers her. I mean, the worst part of this episode, apart from the fact that they play genocide for laughs, which is absolutely the worst yeah, part that's of this worst episode, is that women's thoughts and wants and feelings around complicated issues are rendered silly. Yeah. And that men who are men back imperialism in a way that means that it seems decisive and reasonable. And the, the most, the strongest woman, our entry point um, is, is brought over to that side and does so because the only reason she might disagree about this kind of stuff and be like mixed up, quote unquote, which is basically the conversation that Giles and Angel have about about Thanksgiving is because she is lonely. What the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah, basic. Basically, they're like, if Buffy had a date, she wouldn't care about this. She would just stab the spirit in the heart and move on with her life. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's no that, and I think that's also short sighted of them. I think that, um, you know, death of the author, and I think we could say that like what Buffy's dealing with is uh, stronger than that. But it is annoying that we have three women who, uh, throughout this episode, and I'm can I just fucking ignore Angel's presence and say we have three men? Not again, not counting the Avenging Spirit because uh, that is we assume he's sort of genderless. Yeah. 100 ultimately i use the male pronoun but, no you know. yeah but like but but of of the people who but he's a ghost bro and our corporeal you know human forms we have these three men and these three women and the three women are all like they all take issue with the things that the men are saying but are all ultimately like stationed as wrong and uh in fact willow we have this terrible moment at the end when uh Everyone's eating dinner afterwards and she's like, I'm so disappointed in myself, you know, one minute of conflict and I'm like trying to kill these people who I was worried about their rights. And uh, Giles is like, I mean, that's human nature. That's just that's just what violence does. But Giles earlier talked about how like the whole problem is this cycle of violence that like revenge begets revenge and that like so if violence begets violence, we're going to end it with violence. Like, how does he not see that that is a whole fucking problem, you know? It's just annoying. Yeah. It's annoying that the show sets up, like, these women to be like, oh, honey, you sweet summer child. It's okay. And it's like, no. And literally in this case of this episode, and I understand they're making Thanksgiving dinner, so it is the location, but it literally puts all the women in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Well, repeatedly. If, if this, uh, Hopefully, if this episode were made today... Some dudes would help out in the kitchen because, god damn it, I, yeah. Let me just say, Even just let me, Anya, let me just real quickly say, I don't know how you're spending your Thanksgiving, but I'm spending mine at my male friend's home who's cooking Thanksgiving dinner because that's how my friends do it. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Even Anya, who is not technically human, a human being. I mean, she's human now. Is put in the kitchen. Because she was forced to be human. I, yeah, that's right. That's right. formerly a vengeance human. That's why, that's why I was right. talking about humans. She's, a, yeah. she's like culturally a demon. Culturally a demon, is for like, sure. Is push, is, is like knows how to whisk brandy into whatever crazy concoctions uh, are traditional to a summer's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Like that's that's crazy. Like Giles Giles can't have like one scene of him uh making cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 
Um, it would be great. Yeah. It would be great to just see like other people chipping in. Xander is on his deathbed, so I get it. It's fine. He kind of gets a pass. Spike, Spike is tied, is tied, up, tied up. up. But Giles could do something. It's his goddamn house. Yeah. Also, it would have been a really funny laugh line if uh, actually, like, in, in this incredibly light-toned episode. <laughs> a um, very light episode about genocide. Continue, Mary. It, But it basically is. Like, no, the it, tone it, of it, it is. It is. They, that was, that was all It's real. a cop. It's comedic. Um, would be if uh, if Spike started arguing with Buffy about like how to make stuffing. That would have been a good. That would have been a good. Oh, that would have been so good, especially because like been funny. Yeah, Spike, I believe, or started... would also be someone who would still eat food. I mean, right now, like he needs blood, and we'll get to that in like the the defense. But you know, he eats Weetabix later. Exactly. Yeah, he eats food. That's what I'm saying. He eats food. He's basically like that's because he's, he's the, the most amethyst human of all the He's the amethyst of, of the Steven Universe Crystal Gems. He totally yeah. is the amethyst. That's why I like him yeah. so much. And what or maybe well, why because I like he's him like the so sm- the most human because all of us all of us humans, I think at some point or another, feel like outsiders and like like the most alien human. And that's exactly what he and Amethyst are. You know? They're like the most outsider humans. They're not actually humans, but like they really like being human. You know, he doesn't want the world to end. It's not really his. Well, they're speed. like the most. You know, I think they're like they're like they're they're unlikely heroes. I mean, they're the most human in some way. Like they're not. They didn't achieve greatness. They they weren't born to greatness. Greatness, greatness was thrust, upon, thrust them. upon them. Yeah. Yes. So we identify and love them the most because of that. Because that's how we feel. Um, in our own stories. In closing, for the prosecution, Joss Whedon. Uh, who did not write this episode, but I'm going to lay it at his feet anyway. Uh, bless you, Jane Epsonson. Uh, Joss Whedon created an episode of television in which we actually engage with the reality of the relationship between pilgrims and Indians, the reality of the mistreatment of people, and then we don't do anything about it. We stir up a bunch of shit, and then we don't provide a solution. It's just like, oh, well... And I'm saying that is fucking even worse than not talking about it. I mean, I, I go a step further. I think that they tell you that imperialism is right and that we don't have to feel bad about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why it's worse than just not talking about it at all is that like where they end with their morality of it is. Oh, yeah. Because also like, well, we killed who, it anyway. Who is Joss Whedon? Who are any of the, the creative people? In this, mm-hmm. what what business do they have telling this story? I bet none. They have no business telling this story. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I find a, out later uh, on that Jane Epsonson was a Native American, I will eat my fucking shoe. I will eat my shoe. It, yeah. I will eat my microphone. I will eat all the soundproof padding for my microphone. Fucking prove it, guys. Do at me and I will post a video of eating all of this. Because it's not real. Anyway. This is what happens when I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> I like it. Okay. <clears throat> the prosecutes from Russ with a big old fuck you to Joss Whedon. Uh, Mary, let us uh, bring on the defense. Dun dun Let's talk about why this is a fave in our problematic fave duality. Holiday episodes, always great. But 
I posit that there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving episodes. I also don't watch a lot of Friends. And other than finding out that there's an episode of television where you can see a bunch of turkeys being dropped from the sky. You don't see it. You just know that it happens. I swear to God. I I I thought turkeys could fly. (laughs) You know, it's fun to have uh, a Thanksgiving episode. And Buffy's great at teasing out the nuances uh, between like, the reality is something like we call high school hell and it's in hell, like I've already said. And so like giving it the platform to tease out the nuances of like what makes a Thanksgiving dinner typically like try to make a big meal, disagreements, ideological disagreements among family, like trying to like pull everyone together. Like all of that is rife for opportunity to uh, put through the Buffy machinery and make into a literalized version of what it is that you're discussing. Uh, so that that could be great. So since we're talking about the positives, how does uh, how does Buffy tease out the prototypical family Thanksgiving uh, under the lens of the tension when fighting the threat of Native, Ameri- Native Americans in the face of a caricature of Thanksgiving? Mary, any thoughts? Yeah, so I do. I do think it's very clever to basically frame a um, a dinner around issues that are quote unquote unsolvable. Because like everyone knows what it's like to be at a Thanksgiving where Grandma loves Trump and her granddaughter hates him, and they just yell at each other. Like that Mary and I are work. obviously never the granddaughters who hate Trump. We're very into Trump. Go Trump. We love, we love Trump. Trump. Anyway, J.K. I hate him so much. <laughs> um, yeah, but like everybody, it, like that's like such a that's it, such an idea of like I, I mean there were after Trump was elected there were so many articles in every in every newspaper about like. Well, now, how are you going to have Thanksgiving dinner? Like, this is a thing. So I do I do like that that is that's like one of the the, the framing, like the framings of this. I do think that they've picked like a very, very tough subject to work with, which on the one hand is maybe good. But then they don't really I don't think that they if have they like delivered a if it. they didn't fumble it. Then it would be great. Yeah. But they fumble it. Yeah. Yeah. But they fumble it. So, but like the, the, the central idea of this episode, I think is, is solid. I also, I really like Buffy in this. Um, I, I think sometimes that, uh, I think that sometimes they overshoot on the real, like the relatability of Buffy. Um, at least for me. Like she sometimes she sometimes is uh like a little bit too much of like I'm the boss and now it's my time to die and like that's just yeah, not she's, very relatable. She's too Captain America sometimes. Yeah, too, exactly. Like, goody and also like patriotic. I think everyone's a little more Iron Man than they are Captain America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She sometimes her humanity is a little bit um Stunted is a little bit shortchanged for heroism yep. for her heroism. Yeah, but like. Uh, in this episode, I fully understand where she's coming from, and I think that it is is good. It's a good episode for her to stand in, and she fills like a very traditionally feminine role, which doesn't necessarily matter either way, of wanting to join all the people in her life that she loves together with a big festive meal so that we can all just feel loved. Like, that's what she wants to do this whole time, right? She wants to recapture that magic. Sure. Which and I, I think it's a positive re- thing. You and I have had those I meals. I super relate yeah, to that. I agree with yeah. that, too. Yeah. 
Um, I don't like necessarily that that desire is played quite so much for laughs and almost almost like I think, uh, pathetically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and almost cruelly pitted against Willow's genuine concern. I don't think that those things are are at odds with no, each other. No, I think you can at have all, a, you know, actually. Yeah, I think you have, can have a great meal and still to talk about uh like like honoring the spirits of those who have uh passed before us, you know? Not to try and uh, you know, blow my cover for what I'm going to pitch later. But anyway. Um yeah. But like, you know, I think that she represents a very real struggle that people have, which is everything is awful and our history is awful and we want to help, but we also want nice things for people we love. And I think that she like, I think that Buffy is ultimately failed in this episode by the pack of men in her life who, for cultural reasons, I I mostly attribute this one to Spike, who is old and British and also like a, a serial killing vampire. Um, yep, not meant so to be a good culture. guy. Mm-hmm. That's his culture, right? And then uh, paternal reasons. Giles, he's like, just listen to what I'm saying. If people are going to die, you listen to what I say, and that's when you why you should do it. Like, right? That's he's like, I am right because I am the oldest and I am logical and I know how the world works. And then for literally penile reasons, which is Xander, which is like, I don't want to die of syphilis. <laughs> I'll provide her with this really simple escape hatch in a morally complicated argument that she takes. And that doesn't have to be how it goes down. We can have genocide. We can stop genocide and we can have mashed potatoes, too. Yeah, you can have both. Like, you don't. Who wants? Yeah, yeah we can have both. Let's just have uh, an extra healthy of mashed potatoes with some Brussels sprouts and bacon and some, uh, you know, some turkey or, you know tofurkey or whatever i'm no again uh in a very lighter way not trying to yuck anyone's yum but uh you know yeah whatever you whatever, whatever you, want. you want they don't they yeah, don't have so to be mutually exclusive I- community among uh friends and breaking bread does not have to like come at the uh, exclusion of holding yourselves accountable for the sins of the past and way in the and in, in the ways in which we benefit from them yeah but I think um, I think that she's just underserved in this narrative. I think that her story is actually probably the most important to tell the viewers, uh, like her fan base at this time, which were mostly like white young women. Like that's a super important story to tell is like, how do you as a privileged member of society um, deal with the fact that you you stand in a pool of blood that that your ancestors created how do you figure that out yeah you know and and how do you do that how do you do that without absolutely losing yourself to to, to, to despair sorrow? yeah yeah how do you like how do you keep going how do you find the line i don't know um i think i think literally the existence of this podcast is us trying to find that line every day you know um i agree so yeah, it, yeah i mean yeah Buffy might not answer it, but I think our generation will. Yeah. Or we'll fail or we'll fail horribly well, we'll trying, ex- but I hope we don't. Yeah. If at the very least, I think we will live and breathe trying to find that answer. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think any of us want to just be like, well, but we benefited. So I don't think that's We don't want to put that toothpaste back in the tube. No. Fuck fuck that tube, throw it away, let's figure this out. You know? So moving from these heavy, heavy issues where we're kind of advocating for this episode, but also you know, 
inextricably having to be tied to what makes this episode problematic. Let's talk about my personal favorite in terms of characters, problematic fave, which is good old Spikey, as Harmony calls him. James Mercer's portrayal of Spike, the vampire who, with a chip in his head, is no longer able to hurt people, so starts the movie like like a child in a um a Dickinsonian Dick- waste, yeah, in a Charles Dickens <laughs> novel in a Dickinsonian wasteland, trying to look for a place in which. He'll be allowed refuge and blood to drink. <laughs> um, You're right. He absolutely has some little match girl energy yeah, when he's like, running around. With his like weird a- towel cape and his like hollow cheeks, like looking through windows. And like my only and it's hilarious because thought- the site is like a bunch of vampires like brutally murdering someone, and it's played for like. I, I wish I were love there. That it's scene. so good. Well, and it's and it's vampires having Thanksgiving dinner. They've like placed the man on a nice yeah. table, <laughs> and you see like the older vampire like offering yeah. offering a slice of the human to like a younger vampire, and he's like looking at them. He's like, "It's vampire Norman Rockwell, and here I am, <laughs> yeah, in the street, disenfranchised, not a family, no home, <laughs> no country for old spikes." So I do think, in terms of why this is a fave, we got Spike coming back in the scene. It's the first time he gets, like, really reintroduced to the Scoobies as not, like, uh, not an adversary, not a villain, but as uh, a source of potential information and companionship uh, because he has now been chipped and he cannot bite other people. So it's not like Angel, where he suddenly has a soul and he feels remorseful. It's like... If somebody were kind of a terrible person, then physically were unable to be a terrible person anymore, you know, like they're not better now. They're just more tolerable. And it's kind of perfect. Well, and he always was a little bit better. He's always been appealing because he's always loved the people he's with and like been engaging and being a punk rock blonde haired angel like and i don't mean i mean the they character with this in season two yeah. like she teams up with buffy to save the world like he gets he joyce loves him joyce watches passions with him fucking giles opens the magic box because he got so bored the year before when spike was living with him that he watched passions with spike you know like he's he's yeah. appealing company he's a lot better than xander at least for uh many seasons yeah, I mean, like, it's so, this is a really important episode for him. Um, it's when he basically officially joins the Scoobies. He literally has a seat at their dinner table, yeah. after all. Even though he's um, tied and bound. <laughs> and lamenting that not, at least one of you could have fled. Fled a little bit. It is absolutely canon that this is when he officially joins. Like, he moves into Giles's house after this. Like, that's it. He comes in and he never leaves. Yeah. Um, I also loved, I feel like it's very relatable, where, like, Spike comes home for Thanksgiving, tries to make up with his, like, with, you know, like, you come home from Thanksgiving from college break, you try to make up with, like, your hookup from high school, and uh, turns out they became, like, a human being while you were gone. I love how Harmony is like, I am beautiful, I am powerful, and I am beautiful, and I don't need you to complete me, and you are mean. I love (laughs) that Because he is! He's being shitty to her! He's so when mean she, to when her she throughout. Up the he's like, you slept without our bed. She's like, you stayed to me. Like, fuck you, man. I'm like, yeah, Harmony. You you go with your bad self. Spike, a lot less broody than Angel. A lot more like, I mean, I'd rather just like have a cup of brandy. Even a small cup. Even just a little. I do love that he likes a brandy around the holidays. Cause so do yeah. I. 
Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say no yeah. to Brandy. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that one. Same. Same, Spike. <laughs> if I'm going to watch this episode, I'm going to need a Brandy. I'm going to need a tall um, one, please. And thank you. Yeah. So, Kate, I am not often found at a loss. <laughs> but I don't really know how this episode can be fixed. I just, I just, if you have a creator who's like, let's invite, his words, not mine, a dead Indian to Thanksgiving, I am like, God. Yeah, like, that's just wow. so tough. Like, yeah. That's just so, so tough. I mean, I, I have thoughts. I'm like, I would like it if the native person had, like, actual, like, lines. And was an empathetic figure and maybe there was a way that we could we could solve this without violence maybe the maybe Giles's statements about it being cyclical maybe that could be a helpful statement as opposed to just being like yeah it's uh it's cyclical when they do it but when we do it it's just called maintaining the status quo hegemony um, yeah uh yeah you know uh <clears throat> judge johnston i i do have a proposal for the rehabilitation i am of, let's of, hear of it. this so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start very much in the premise of this show. Like it starts exactly the same way. Uh, we can't stray too much. It's not like we're completely creating. A sure, new sure, piece sure, of sure, art. sure. And yeah. and we start with finding uh with <clears throat> we find the vengeance spirit. The spirit is wreaking havoc. Uh, the men start talking like you know like, what can we do? What could there even be done? And I say. That because there's a duality to creation and destruction, there's a duality to vengeance and the desire for grace and mercy, that the women involved, be they witches, be they not, be they uh, slayer, be they former vengeance demon, they pull together and they come up with a spell and they summon the duality of the vengeance spirit, which is a feminine form that is uh, of the Chumash people about community, about mercy. And using this spirit, they're able to identify the demon that that causes the white man to want to colonize, like this this embodiment of this torture. And using this this feminine form of uh reconciliation who helps to temper the vengeance demon through a communication that they are all able to come together and destroy, summon and then destroy the demon that uh, that has helped to not only after after leading to the torture of the Chumash people led to the unrest of their spirits and set their spirits free and thereby also create a barrier around the land in which their mission was so that it cannot be built upon and uh, the spirits can rest in peace. I know that this is like a big jump, but I think it's something that is not out of the lexicon of the Buffy universe. Uh, it would lead to conversation. And instead of like being stuck on like all these women being like, agreed, agreed. It's like, great, your agreement. <clears throat> it's like what Albert Einstein said. The same mind that created the problem can't be the one to solve it. The white male colonizer can't be the one to solve the problem. So instead of like wondering like, you know, how can we solve it under this parameters? You reject the premise. And you look for, for like, if, if Willow is looking for someone who wants to be conciliatory, you can help summon that. And I definitely wouldn't want the show to like, try and like, you know, give, uh, give a real 
<clears throat> passed to all humans for colonization in the past. But kind of in the way that uh, Wonder Woman showed that, like, there is a god of war among us that helps to to stir uh, the fever of, of soldiers. Like, humans are already violent and kind of awful, but, like, there are forces that help to promulgate that. This would be, like, you know, a manifestation of capitalism and manifest destiny, but, like, in a demon form. And I think it would be satisfying. And I think it could end with people eating pie and not resenting the fact that they ended up perpetuating a cycle, but instead broke the cycle by breaking uh, the talisman of the demon. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. I didn't even consider the notion of disrupting the, like, false idol of um, agreement that is, like, the at the top of the, the episode where they're, like, breaking ground on this uh, this new, like, this new this new center where we're all supposed to come together like maybe that could turn into like a monument um a, mo- a monument uh to uh, the true honoring yeah yeah honoring the honoring... Tr- so instead honoring and letting the spirits live instead of trying to capitalize on them and paint a false narrative or or even or even like i mean we have like we have holocaust memorials why don't we have one for for the for, genocides like, existed in america Agreed. Yeah, in our own on our own land like that would be i think way more powerful yeah but i like it i like it it does I, you arrived at a solution i did not consider which is just to be like why don't why don't we why don't we call up all these spirits and and, and hash it out yeah like that's why, why don't we that ins- does make instead sense. of taking away the voice and making a lot of assumptions why don't we actually try and face this instead of letting you know a bunch of white male colonizers ooh, tell us ooh. what the answer is yeah Go Ooh, ahead. Could we also have Giles apologize to Willow? Yes. No, at the no, at the end, at the end at the dinner, everyone would be like, You were right and I was wrong. And I was defensive. And yeah. I I couldn't see another solution, but I'm glad you're part of this team because you make me a better person. Yeah. And Willow could even be like, I don't have all the answers, but we can f- try to find better answers together. Perfect. That would be a perfect way to end that it. That would be, oh, mwah, yeah. mwah, And Spike mwah. can just say something Roses. snotty about not having blood, and it would be fine. It would all be good. We'd end on a laugh line. It's great. Done. Yeah. Well, can we make, can we also, like, make the tone of this, like, way less funny? Oh, <laughs> I no, mean, I no, know. no, no. Of course. I'm just saying, like, at the end, like, we can end, yeah. like, I'm, like, a little bit more upbeat. But there are many yeah, about the episodes be... that are not so wacky and zany. This, this is could this be, is a this is an especially this wacky could be an episode, episode that's less wacky and zany. Like let's let's even not to provide spoilers, but the next episode that we both talked about liking something blue. Something blue is not a light episode. It's a dark episode with a lot of funny great moments, but it's about yeah. like the depression and the um like the total consumption of your own darkness that can happen after traumatic and awful events and the way that that can affect people around you when you don't seek help. And that is not light subject matter. So why is genocide? That's 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 all I'm gonna say. No. Uh. Yeah. No. I don't mind laugh lines. I just mind laugh lines that the punchline is genocide. What I mind. Boom. Yeah. So Judge Johnson, that was my proposal. I I accept the proposal. I think that's that would be excellent parole. That would be excellent. That would be excellent outlines for a parole proceduring procedure for this this particular episode. So motive be. Um. Okay. So now that we've talked about how maybe it could be fixed, now we arrive to our problematic fave template final procedures, which are answering the final question. How bad is it? 
And uh, is it okay to still enjoy it? Or must it be hashtag canceled? I arrived at a different place with this than I expected to, to be honest <laughs> Yeah, go with ahead. You. I kind of I think it should be canceled. Yeah. Like, and, and here's why. And here is why. It is such an attractive pill to swallow yeah. with, I think, nasty and intentional ideas behind it. Like, I, I really believe, based on this episode, that, that, uh, that Joss Whedon thinks that this is not a big deal. Oh, <laughs> like 100%. That, that, and thinks that, like, liberal whine, liberal whiner babies need to calm down about this issue. And I don't need that. Yeah. Like, I like this episode. It's funny. There are better episodes. There are funnier episodes. It doesn't stand out. So, and I'm surprised I arrived at this because I, I think that the issue of genocide and rape presented in our episode last week are, are like just like atrocities, like absolute atrocities. And I didn't arrive at that place for the X-Files because I didn't really feel like that episode knew what it was driving at. And I do think this episode knows what it's driving at. And I think it's driving in a really bad direction. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. And also, it's not, it doesn't stand out as an artistic, it doesn't, it's not, like, best in class of a Buffy episode. My initial reaction is that um, we don't have a lot of Thanksgiving stories and having a tense family uh, home, um, the desire to, at all costs, just cook a nice fucking meal and get everyone to sit the fuck down and eat it uh i re- is very relatable. I relate to that Maybe. so strongly it it like it almost like aches in my being um <sighs> with that said and and i love spike and i love yeah. willow it's but it is such a fucking shame to see characters i care about make the arguments that they do and I don't know that that's enough. And yeah. it um, there's an entire group of people which I am not a part of uh, and impressed people that uh, are kind of thrown to uh, the wayside by this that deserve better. So while I am hesitant to use the term canceled, what I want to say is instead of watching this episode this Thanksgiving, I ask that you read the poetry of Joy Harjo uh including her collection of poems the girl who fell from the sky she was mentored by audrey lord alice walker and audrian rich is an incredible poetess and does a great job of speaking truth to power about the experience of native americans uh in this country in a beautiful and um poetic way so oh i love that i yeah i mean I did not expect to come here because I, I I remember really enjoying the episode. Once I watched it again, watched it again and saw like the imperialistic tones of it, I was like, no, this is this is this is this is bad. This is driving, yeah. This is driving at something intentionally that is bad. Like and and and, and you know yeah, what? But, before even... I was giving it a passive like, the person who created this didn't know how to end it because they didn't know didn't what the know... answer was. But but, but I, from what Joss they... said, it it feels like. Yeah, he he wanted this to be the answer, not just this was the de facto answer because I didn't know the right answer, and that's a well. Fucking or at the very least, he wanted to be he wanted to be edgy, and this is how he chose to be edgy, which is also gross. So you recommended something beautiful and 
and contextually amazing. I'm going to recommend something a little less beautiful sure, sure, sure. Really amazing, yeah. and just say, watch Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes. Oh my God, they're so need. good. There's always there's a Thanksgiving always, episode. They're so good. My favorite are when Bob gets drunk and talks to his turkey and the turkey talks about yeah. in Bob's voice. It's amaze. Um, yeah. And also those episodes are also about your family letting you down on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Basically, Bob's family endlessly lets him down on Thanksgiving. But also what's funny about this is that Bob also kind of lets them down. Like, I love that they always do impressions of him. We're like, you're all terrible. I love you. And he's like, I don't sound like that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's kind of perfect because it oh. very much encapsulates what it is to be a part of a family, which is only your family. Only your family is the ones who install the buttons that are so easy to push because they're the ones you know uh, the best and are around you from the very beginning. So uh, unless God forbid something happened to your family, in which case I'm very sorry. And your chosen family is such a blessing because sometimes, sometimes your biological family, I love mine. They're great. But sometimes it can be a little bit much. So uh, watch some Bob's Burgers and laugh about it at least, you know? Yeah. Mary, what 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 do we got going on next time? We're keeping the holiday episodes a rolling. We are taking on um Batman Returns. Uh, we're coming up on the holiday season. Um, so what better way than to snuggle up with a mug of cocoa and watch Tim Burton take on a weird, a weird Art Deco Christmas, um, and an electrifying Michelle Pfeiffer, um being arguably the best Catwoman. Uh, it might be, you know what? I'm going to say this. It might be the best thing that Tim Burton has ever made. Whoa. Oh my God. Now I just wish that we were watching Edward Scissorhands as our Christmas episode because Edward Scissorhands is good it's too. It's so All right, good. Yeah, we'll, anyway, we'll, we'll get, get into, into it. Yeah. We won't, we'll get into Bob it. Bob Town. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you for listening to Space Bras. Head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those podcatchers you crazy kids are using these days to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Um, you can always find us at outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras. And now, mm. join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is motherfucking ours. An outrageous mechanisms production.